0: You are Locked On Chargers,
1: your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start covering the Chargers over five seasons ago doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers Podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome into the show. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We very much appreciate it, especially those checking it out today for the first time and the Chargers prove that they were one of the best teams in the AFC over the weekend, taking down one of the best teams in the AFC in the Cleveland Browns after already beating the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. But today I wanted to talk about where do they stack up right in the AFC? Are they the best team at this point in the AFC? Because they have as good of record as anyone in the AFC. And I think it's a three-team race. So we're going to get into that. And the other two teams that have been really good so far in the AFC. And I think the Chargers showed on Sunday as well some reasons why you feel like They can hang with any team in the NFL, right, with what they did against the Chiefs and the Browns, but also some flaws that make you wonder if they can keep this up consistently, if they can keep winning those same games later on in the season. And we're going to get into that today with our what went wrong and what went right from Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns and how that will affect the Chargers going on to the rest of the season. And in other exciting news, make sure you guys check back in with us tomorrow too because we have a huge guest, actor and Chargers superfan Jerry O'Connell is going to join the show tomorrow to talk about the Chargers. Exciting win over the Browns and the exciting start to the season with Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert. So to make sure you guys don't miss that, make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. The Chargers now find themselves 4-1 on the season, and when you look at the AFC standings, you see the Chargers at the very top of them, at 4-1, and and the two teams that follow, the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills, so David, one of the things I was thinking obviously after a big win like that is, where do the Chargers stack up in the AFC, because I think that there's two teams we think now the Chargers are better than, right? or at least have that argument, the Chiefs. And the Browns are two teams that everyone thought would be better than the Chargers in 2021 given the Chargers circumstances, second year quarterback, rookie head coach, an entirely new coaching staff. And now I think when you look at the AFC picture, right, there's a ton of three and two teams, right? There's the Bengals, the Browns, the Titans, the Raiders, the Broncos. Then you also have the Chiefs who are now two and three, right, looking up way behind the rest of the conference those are all teams that I think you know. there's different levels to. I mean, I'm not sure I'm buying in on the Raiders or the Broncos after coming back to earth the last couple of weeks. The Titans have looked pretty good and pretty bad. They lost the Jets. The Browns, I still think, are right there. But for this argument, I think that the Chargers have a great argument to be in that top three. But I do think that they're not number one, David. As much as I'd like to say that, I do think they would compete against the Buffalo Bills. But I think the Buffalo Bills so far have been the class of the AFC just because... They are just straight up dominating teams. And after, you know, handling the Chiefs the way they did this week on Sunday Night Football, I think they're the clear cut number one team, probably in the NFL, not even just the AFC. I mean, the Cardinals would be potentially close. There's an argument, but they just have looked so good. And I think they're clearly the best team in the AFC where we're sitting at right now after five weeks.
0: Yeah, the Bills are a great team, obviously very well coached with Sean McDermott, a big-arm quarterback with Josh Allen, a great defense, weapons. Uh, but also I think they've benefited a little bit from the strength of schedule. Yeah, they're a really good football team, and kind of comparing them to the Chargers, the Chargers' strength of schedule was 17th overall to start the year, the Bills' 23rd. The Bills, with the, the opponents that they have beaten, the combined record is 6 and 14. The Chargers, on the other hand, the combined record of their opponents is 11 and 10. So they've played a little bit more stiff competition so far. So I think the Bills are definitely a little bit ahead of them just because of what they do on the defensive side. But the Chargers are certainly in that conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Chargers offense on the right day could hang with that offense, even though they've been the number one offense in the NFL through five weeks. They've been averaging 34.4 points per game. And they've also been the number one scoring defense defensively as well. I mean, it doesn't get much more well rounded than that. The Bills have the pieces defensively, they have the pieces offensively. Josh Allen has kind of returned to being that borderline MVP type of player this season after a tough week one loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their point differential is plus 108 through five weeks. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And yeah, they have beat up Jesus. on some bad teams. You know, they beat up Houston. They beat up on Washington as well. They've just been blowing teams out, and I think that's the next step for the Chargers. We're not seeing them blow teams out, and I think when you compare those resumes, the Chargers have better wins because, yeah, they both have the Chiefs, but the Chargers also have the Browns in that win column as well, so I think the Chargers have better wins so far, but the Bills have just been a juggernaut so far, so that leaves the Chargers and the Ravens for that number two spot, and the Ravens are just coming off a thrilling overtime win against the colts on monday night football and the ravens are good right and it's another team that is going to be able to attack the chargers weaknesses which is their run defense right i think the thing that makes the chargers really close in this discussion very close is the ravens haven't been super convincing in a lot of their wins even on monday night football they had to come way back they had to come way back against the kansas city chiefs they had to come back against the detroit lions and have an nfl record field goal to get them that win so they are absolutely beatable. And the great news is, David, they're matching up this weekend.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I I agree that they're very beatable. I mean, some of those games that they played, they should not have been that close. I mean, the Ravens have a great rushing offense. Lamar Jackson is throwing more and more accurately than he has at any point in his career. Seems like he's really coming along there. The defense has some question marks, but they're still keeping them in games. For the Chargers, I think that they're, Really, really good because they've shown that they can get wins in different ways. I mean, they grinded out a win against the Washington football team where they ended with the ball and they were able to milk and salt that clock away. Uh, They took the ball away against the Kansas City Chiefs they played dominant defense and they scored when they needed to against the raiders they went blow for blow with the browns the chargers definitely have some flaws there's things they need to correct but they are very dangerous and they are very much for real
1: yeah and they've been able to finish you know these games so far and i think yeah of course again when you look at the resume they both have the chiefs right i mean that's the thing with the chiefs too is like that we're talking about that being the biggest win for teams when you're talking about a 2 and 3 team But then the teams we're talking about that have beaten them are the three teams we're talking about being the best in the AFC right now, right? So that's the thing with the Chiefs is, yeah, that's still a notable win. And the Chargers have the Browns. They have that win against a team that had the best rushing attack so far in the NFL. Now the Chargers get the Ravens. And I think the biggest thing for me, I do think there's a great argument for the Chargers to be the second best team in the AFC. But it's hard, though, because... They've been the worst run defense in the league so far, right? And I think that's why Kansas City is in the discussion, right? Because the defense there is so bad. The Chargers have been the worst run defense in the NFL so far. They're going up against another great running team this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens. In the special teams hasn't been spectacular, right? It hasn't been devastatingly bad. But especially with the Tristan Vizcaino performance over the weekend, I just have too many questions On defense and on special teams where I'm like, I just don't know if I can just kind of give them that crown and just cement them at the top of the AFC. But second best team on the AFC, even with their flaws, I think, is definitely a good argument for the Chargers. But it's time to get back into that game that the Chargers had on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns because a lot of things went right, but a lot of things went wrong too. So coming up next, we'll talk about how concerned we are with the run defense. The Chargers not being able to get pressure on Baker Mayfield Tristan Biscayano's long day and much more in what went wrong. But first I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag and they're back and better than ever for football season. And football season is the best time to be getting your action in on sports guys, because bet online is your number one bet online is your number one place for all college and pro football action. And we have the NBA and the NHL coming back. It is about to be kind of the witching hour of betting and there's going to be so much to put down money on. And BetOnline is the number one place to do it because whether it's football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers that they have right now at BetOnline, guys. You guys can do live in-game betting. You're going to find the best odds, props, and contests at BetOnline. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you guys can receive some free money to play with, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, to receive your bonus at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, it's time to get into what we do every single week and get into what went wrong with the Chargers on Sunday. And obviously, when you give up as many points as the Chargers gave up on Sunday, there's going to be some things to talk about. And this is not to be a negative segment by any means, but just to point out some things that maybe we're concerned about going forward for the Chargers or just things that just straight up have to be corrected. And I think there's no place to start in this one, David, other than the rush defense, because I made a bold prediction that the Chargers would allow less than 100 rushing yards in that game. And the Browns blew that away in the first half, right? So all of our fears came true against the Browns because not only were they able to run the football, but they were able to play action off it and all those other things. But the run defense, David, giving up 230 rushing yards in that game, big plays in the running game, right? A 52-yard touchdown in the running game. Like, those things are the things that you just can't have if you want to be the best team in the NFL, right? And you want to keep competing on a week-by-week basis with these powerhouse teams, the teams you're going to go up in the playoffs, it has to be better in the run defense. we just straight up shredded for most of the day on Sunday.
0: Yeah, it was really, really bad. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had 173 yards after contact. 173 yards after contact in that football game that is absolutely insane and very much inexcusable and they're going up against another opponent that's going to be able to run the ball and do run the ball just as often as they do as the Browns did with the Ravens on Sunday one of the things that stuck out to me right away about what went wrong in this game was the Chargers starting field position was terrible they had 12 drives and They had starting field positions at the 15, the 18, the 15, the 16. They didn't start past the 25 until their seventh drive of the game. That's a lot of long fields for the offense, a lot of big play drives that are needed. That's just not ideal. You want to have better field position, and the Chargers had terrible field position all game long.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, you know a lot of that had to do with Larry Rountree and the kick returns. I mean, that was definitely something that went wrong. I think he had two kick returns that only made it out to around the 15-yard line. That's just not going to do it, and I think the Browns went into that having that plan because they were definitely trying to hang one up to land at the one-yard line and make the Chargers have a good return against them. We've seen the Chargers do it to other teams. The Browns did that very, very effectively against the Chargers on Sunday, and I think Sticking with special teams, Tristan Biscayne, you know, I mean, two missed PATs in this one, four missed PATs on the season, David. It's time to start thinking about, you know, if the Chargers need a new kicker, and it's not as if everyone was sold on Tristan going into the season, but, like, at what point is enough enough, right? And, I mean, it's crazy that the Chargers haven't even attempted a field goal in the last two games, right? So, we haven't really seen what he's able to do as far as kicking actual field goals and not PATs, and he's only missed one field goal, but, like... Michael Badgley only missed three PATs last year. Yeah, he missed a lot of big field goals as well, but that's just unacceptable. The first game, there were swirling wins against Kansas City, right? You kind of give him a little bit of a pass. There's no pass on this one.
0: Not at all. You're at home at SoFi Stadium in a controlled environment in one of the best climates in the world. You shouldn't have to really worry about anything other than putting the ball through the uprights. And these are extra points. These are 30-yard kicks They should be absolutely automatic. There's really not much excuse for it. Although, if you listen to Brandon Staley talk in the press conference, he said, hey, this is a young kicker. We're going to stay with him. I have a lot of belief in him. He has a very strong leg. So it kind of seems like Brandon Staley. (laughs) Yeah, very strong kickoff leg. It seems like Brandon Staley is going to kind of ride this out and it's going to be a while before he considers making a change at the kicking position. What is it going to take? Is it going to take the Chargers losing football games because he misses field goals? Uh, I mean, it seems like that's what's going to have to happen, unfortunately. But, yes, it's a major problem. And, well, and another they kind major of already problem. already
1: did, though, too. I mean, you have to think about the fact they, they he didn't lose them the game, but they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. He missed a field goal, and they lost by three points, right? So it's not hard to do yeah. that math.
0: No, definitely. It it can't it can't continue going forward. He's gonna have to clean that up and I also saw Ty Long kinda yelling at him after they missed that extra point because the Browns all they really needed to do was just get a couple first downs and they would have won that football game. It was that impactful that he missed that extra point and then another thing that the chargers are really had a big problem with in this game was getting pressure on baker mayfield they did very very little of it they only had six total pressures on the game according to pro football focus derwin obviously had one of those with the strip sack uh, but everyone else was pretty quiet chenna had two hurries Bosa only had one. Tillery had one. Fackrell had one as far as the pressures were concerned. Not a lot of production there. The Browns did a great job of keeping Baker Mayfield clean. And that was a major reason why he threw threw for over 300 yards passing in that game.
1: Yeah, exactly. I had the same notes down as one of my things that went wrong. You just knew that, yeah, I mean, they were going to have to make some concessions trying to stop the run. But, like, you didn't stop the run or the pass in this game. And I think that's why this segment is probably so focused on the Chargers' defense and we talked about the run defense, we talked about, you know, the lack of pressure, letting Baker Mayfield throw for almost, you know, 10 yards per attempt, and a lot of that came down to the tackling, like you touched on in a little bit, but it was also a pretty tough game for Asante Samuel Jr., who got left off the field for a couple of drives by Brandon Staley, according to Pro Football Focus, targeted five times, allowed five catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. One of those was, you know, almost making a really nice play on a ball, breaking and then missing that tackle, but that gives up some big yards after catch, right? And that was a huge problem for the Chargers. I think the two missed tackles had something to do with it too. Pro Football Focus also credited Nazir Adler with five missed tackles in this game. So that was really just all day, such a big problem for the Chargers defense. And I think offensively, there wasn't a ton that went wrong. I mean, they had a couple of penalties, right? They had some times, especially in the first half, where they didn't look great. But for the most part, hey, if you put up 500 yards offense, it's hard to really complain about the offensive day for the Chargers, even with, you know, potentially Rashawn Slater giving up two sacks. But Sante Sima Jr., I think the bigger thing I take away from this is this is the situation he probably should be in as a second round cornerback, right? There's going to be some games where maybe it's not the best matchup for him, or maybe he's going to struggle a little bit. And I think that Tavon Campbell really playing well for them so far has kind of given them the opportunity to take him off the field if need be. But I'm not worried about it at all. I think Asante Samo Jr. will be fine. And I think you'll still see some Tavon Campbell this week, especially going up against the Ravens, who have a guy like, you know, Hollywood Brown. So maybe they like that speed-on-speed matchup there. But you also have Michael Davis, who runs a 4-3. And another thing, David, that we have to touch on that went wrong at Sunday's game was losing right guard Odeo Bushi, because that was something that was a brutal loss for the Chargers. He has been such an improvement for them at that position compared to, you know, what Trey Turner and Tyree St. Louis and guys like that were able to do last year. Michael Schofield came in, I thought, and played admirably, right? I thought he was fine. But had was such a great pickup by this Chargers front office during this offseason. That is a brutal blow. You already have Brian Bulaga on injured reserve with a you know reported back surgery, potentially your back procedure. And now you lose Bushi for the season.
0: Yeah, it's just terrible. It, it sucks for Ode Ibushi because he's playing really well. He really brought that physical presence. He really wants to hit people, He and he brought that in the run game. He was a good pass protector as well. Just good stability on uh, one of the major pieces that they brought in on this offensive line to to really improve it, and he did. And unfortunately, with the torn ACL, he's going to be out for the rest of the year. And, you know, with, with Brian Belaga already out, like you mentioned, it, it's tough. I mean, these injuries – Uh, I mean, it's very fortunate that the Chargers were able to pick up Michael Schofield, a guy that they're very familiar with, who is a veteran in this league. But if they get another injury on the offensive line, it will be absolutely terrible for this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's huge. And luckily, I mean, they've had guys be able to step up. I thought Storm Norton had a pretty good game, you know, compared to some of the other games he's had that were disasters. I thought he actually handled a pretty good defensive front very well, especially Having his first child, and you know, congrats to Storm Norton for that. And playing in that game, right? And he got a game ball after the game. I thought he played well. Schofield was only in for a little while, but I thought he was fine. The left side, I thought, looked really good, even though they gave up two sacks. Didn't have a huge problem with the Chargers' offensive line in this one. I thought they opened up some holes, and they really needed some good rushing yards. And I thought late in the game, when the Chargers really needed to come back, they gave Justin Herbert enough time to make those big plays down the field and really just help spark that Chargers' late run offensively. But We do have to get into all the great stuff that happened in the Chargers at 47 to 42 win over the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to get into Justin Herbert and Mike Williams' impressive days, some actual key stops, maybe a little bit of positive from the Chargers defense, and also Joe Lombardi's play calling, which isn't getting talked about enough. We'll get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you ever need any kind of auto part, I can't stress enough that the only place that you should go is rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you can go to Rock Auto, support a family business, and save yourself some money? Because why should you guys spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store when you can get the best price whether you're a mechanic or a daily driver at rockauto.com? They have everything that you guys can need I've already used them three times most recently on my fiance's Camry, getting her a new alternator, but you can get brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, David, well, we always have to power through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff, and I can't stress enough how much stuff went right for the Chargers on Sunday, even got a little bit lucky on Sunday. Everything was rolling for the Chargers, and there are things that we definitely have to talk about, but you have to start with Justin Herbert, and obviously we talked about a lot of the amazing plays he had yesterday when we were doing our recap, but I think it's worth pointing out what he's been able to do, especially recently and just in this game. Five total touchdowns. 398 passing yards. And I was really impressed with what he did with his legs, too. Getting in on that scramble into the end zone, I thought was really key. Feeling the game. pressure
0: really well, too.
1: Oh, my God. He's been so impressive with that. I mean, the dude just does not fumble the ball either. Like, you almost never see him get blindsided. He never puts the ball on the deck unless it's, you know, he's throwing a pass and they miscall it going through the end zone. Like, it just doesn't happen to him. His pocket presence is so good. He's able to feel that pocket so well. And move to spots, you know, and get out of the pocket when he has to. Make big throws, or in this game, you know, picking up chunk yardage with his legs for rushes for 29 yards and that score. And that's something I think we're just scratching the surface there with him. But the last three games, I mean, he's absolutely went off. And I think that the real thing that we should be talking about more is zero interceptions in the last three games because one turnover by him in this last game probably loses the Chargers that game, just with the way that was going. If the Browns had an extra possession, it's hard to say how it would have went, but. In the last three games, like what he's been able to do—five total touchdowns in this one, coming off of a game where he had three touchdowns against the Raiders, and then another four touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs—like he has just been so ridiculous so far, David. So, so much for the sophomore slump.
0: Oh yeah, nine hundred and one passing yards, eleven touchdowns, no interceptions in your last three games. What? MVP conversation for certain. Remember when we
1: had people asking us if we should be worried about Justin Herbert's two touchdowns and three interceptions in the first two games. Uh. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, obviously that conversation is a thing
0: of the past. One of the main reasons why Justin Herbert is having so much success is one guy in particular is having a whole lot of fun out there. <laughs> Mike Williams is going crazy and went off, had a career game in this one. Eight catches, 165 yards, two plus yard touchdowns. One of them was over 70 yards. Yep. He had 59 yards after the catch, and this season is by far one of his best seasons up-to-date 31 receptions, 471 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 15.2
1: yards per catch. Mike Williams is on fire. And Mike Williams is going to get paid. (laughs) I mean, that dude is going to get the Brinks truck backed up to him. I mean, if he can keep this toward pace. that, But, I mean, it almost has to come down somewhat, right? Averaging almost 100 yards a game. (laughs) Averaging over a touchdown a game. And, like, you talked about his season totals. Like, he has 471 yards. The most he's ever had is 1,001. He's on his way to obliterating that. This season, he already has more receiving touchdowns than he had last season. In 2020, he only had five receiving touchdowns. This year, he's already at six. Like, to talk about the improvement that we've seen from this dude. And, like, in those other seasons, right? We talked about him putting it all together. In the year he had the most yards... He only had two touchdowns, right? And the year he had the most touchdowns, he only had 664 receiving yards. So, like, it's all coming together for Mike Williams and then some. He's just been such a huge weapon. And we're not even talking about, you know, what it would look like had Justin Herbert been able to hit him on an 82-yard touchdown last week, right? So, like,
0: he's got to be worshiping the ground that
1: Joe Lombardi
0: walks on right now. He's got to be in heaven in this offense.
1: Yeah, and it's just great to see a dude who was picked 7th overall, right? And I think was considered by most a disappointment. A lot of fans wanting him straight up cut before the season started to be able to do this. And now it's like Mike Williams has just straight up been the wide receiver one for the Chargers. I mean, there's no way around it this season. Keenan Allen's been wide receiver two. Mike Williams has been the number one wide receiver for the Chargers. And it's really not that close. And Keenan Allen, you know, had a couple of drops in this one. He's been having way more drops than he normally does this year. But it's easy to forget about the third down conversion that he had from Justin Herbert, where Justin Herbert throws an absolute dime to him on the run for 37 yards. That
0: was ridiculous. If you haven't seen that throw, guys, you need to go watch it. I mean, Justin Herbert rolls out, does a jump throw like 40 yards, and and hits Keenan Allen over a a defender. It's just, it's a thing of beauty.
1: Yeah, it, it was money. And I mean, the other thing about Keenan Allen, two fourth down conversions, right? Every time when the Chargers need a big play, you think they're going to Keenan Allen. The defense thinks they're going to Keenan Allen. And most of the time, it still can't be stopped anyways. I mean, he hasn't been stopped. And when Justin Herbert has targeted Keenan Allen, they've converted every fourth down. But then again, the only fourth down that they haven't converted was Ty Long trying to throw it to Tavon Campbell, right? But I'm glad that you brought up the play calling, and I just had to do a shout-out for Keenan Allen, just because, like, he absolutely still deserves it, because he's still making giant plays for this team, and I think people can forget about that. But Joe Lombardi, the guy that we've probably criminally under-talked about so far this year, has been pushing all the right buttons for this offense, and you saw it all come together, especially late in that game. Like, even though it's blown coverages, he has a hand on both of those, you know, 40-plus-yard touchdowns. You don't run those plays unless you have a feeling something might open up for you, right? So, like having both of those, what they've been able to do in the red zone, I think now when you're looking at it, four for four on Sunday in the red zone, coming off of a four for four game in the red zone the week before that, it's huge. I mean, Joe Lombardi has been doing so much for this Chargers offense. And I just think for a guy who's coming off a disappointing stint in Detroit where he wasn't good as their offensive coordinator, to come back and have the start that he has under a defensive-minded head coach and have Justin Herbert in the MVP conversation. Mike Williams looking as good as we've ever seen him. Austin Eckler looking as good as we've ever seen him. Calling all the right plays on third and fourth down. I mean, to call that running play on fourth and two on your own 24-yard line, that's absurd, right? It's but every time, hell out of me, too. 100%. But every time hes they've drawn up a fourth-down play right, Yes, a couple of them have been even helped out, especially this week with that offensive pass interference, but they should have, you know, converted everyone, even the ones that they didn't convert. And I just think that that's something that we don't talk about enough. I mean, on these crucial downs, Joe Lombardi is, is dialing up the right play every time, it seems like. And I think that's partially the reason that Brandon Staley has so much faith in this offense outside of Justin Herbert and the playmakers is just knowing that Joe Lombardi is going to dial up the right play in that situation. So that's something that needs to be talked about. And I mean, he could not, you know, be with the Chargers very long if he keeps this up. His best hope is they go deep in the playoffs, right? And all the coach-needy teams get impatient and want to take somebody else because he's been very, very impressive. And I think we do have to shout out the defense a little bit, David. And just for a couple of things specifically, me and John Kegley got in an argument about the Browns, you know, giving the Chargers two possessions by having penalties and ending up having to plant right? But I actually have that in my what went right because I think what went right for the Chargers defense, almost all of it came in the second half, right? Because they get two stops in the third quarter that helps them get back into the game because the Browns at that point seemed to be scoring a well and they got off the field. But they also took advantage of those penalties, right? They didn't give anything back to the Browns. The Browns had holding penalties. They were pushing themselves back. And the Chargers didn't give up a 15-yard rush after that, right? They didn't give anything away to them in those situations. And then, on the last drive, after Tristan Viscaino misses a PAT that would have tied the game for you in a wild fourth quarter, the Chargers only allow four rushing yards, right? And they get a 3-and-out when they most desperately need it against a team that is very well-suited to go get one first down, right? Or two first downs and drain the clock. That was such a huge defensive stand for the Chargers' defense. In a game where they didn't play well, we definitely have to highlight a moment like that.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I mean... at I- Any given point in that game, when you needed a stop at the end, when it mattered the most, when you had to have it, the Chargers got that stop. And that's why the defense needs to be shouted out. I also want to give a shout-out to the absolutely insane tackling machine, Derwin James, who had 17 tackles in this game, along with a sack and and a forced fumble. Obviously, he got that many tackles because the people in front of him did not make the tackle, (laughs) but hey— Darwin James still made all of those tackles. So, yes, the defense, they performed when they needed to perform, and the Chargers would not have won the game without it. Uh, i got to get back to the offensive side real quick. The, the red zone efficiency has been fantastic, and I think part of the reason why Joe Lombardi hasn't been, hasn't been getting a lot of credit so far is it's, it's because of the start. In, in the red zone, they were only 3-for-10. The last three games, they're 12-for-14. So that kind of adjustment to when you get into the red zone and you absolutely need to score points, they're doing it. And that's a huge reason why they're winning football games. My last, what went right here, is Brandon Staley. We can't not talk about this game without talking about Brandon Staley. His incredible confidence and belief in his team and in Justin Herbert. The natural feel for the flow of the game. Like that point in the game where they went for it on fourth down on their own 24-yard line. Brandon Staley knew that if the Chargers didn't keep that drive going, that they were probably going to lose that football game. He goes for it on fourth. He has done it consistently all year long. The Chargers are seven for eight on fourth down. It's ridiculous how well they've been able to do. But without that belief and that confidence in Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense, the Chargers don't win a lot of the games that they've won this year.
1: So hats off to the head coach, Brandon Staley. One hundred thousand percent, right? I mean, I think it's just bred a new confidence into this team because I think there's points where Brandon Staley's gone for it on fourth down, and if he hadn't, if he had punted, if the Chargers had attempted a field goal and missed it, even if they had just settled for a field goal, you're talking about the difference in winning close games, and that's the one thing where this team really needed to improve its confidence. That's the one area where they really needed to improve their confidence was in these close games and finding ways to finish these games because right now, the only game they've lost, right, they can easily pin it on themselves because they had a touchdown call back against the Dallas Cowboys. And instead, they have to get the field goal. And what do the Cowboys do? They win by three points, right, and a four-point swing right there for the Chargers offense. And then you lose on a 58-yard field goal, right? That's the only loss for the Chargers. So I think that the confidence that this team now has in Brandon Staley, as much as they wanted to talk about it before the season, it's real now. You can feel it. It's tangible. And you felt that the whole time... But they're making everybody believers, and it's because making those decisions, it's because Brandon Staley is fearless. Yes, at that point, the Browns had scored 17 straight points, right? And the game was getting away from the Chargers. And shout out to Chris Hayree, who had said, hey, remember these two fourth down conversions they had on that drive? Because they went for it twice. Both times they could have, you know, ended their drive with zero points. The first one, they have the run with Austin Eckler getting nine yards when they only needed two. Um, fourth and two, and then after that, you end up having a play to Keenan Allen where he picks up another fourth down conversion, and then you end it in a touchdown there. That was such a huge drive, and the Chargers don't win this game, I don't think, without that big drive right there in the Cajones on Brandon Staley, because yeah, the Chargers got lucky on that pass interference, called against the defense on a Mike Williams target, right? But at the same time, you keep going for it, good things are going to happen for you, and they went for it again on that drive and converted it again with another big play by Keenan Allen, so you can't say enough about Brandon Staley because we've seen all the heartbreak. We've seen all the tough losses for this team. The one possession losses where they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL over the last few seasons. We've seen all of that happen, and the players have vocalized how they felt in those situations, admitting we were wondering how we were going to blow it that week, right? So, like, to get the confidence that they have now with and Staley cannot be understated, and it's hard to imagine anyone else as the coach of the year other than Brandon Staley because of the impact he's had on this team going viral on twitter being so transparent and open being such a just smart football mind and even teaching us things at times it's hard to really talk about how impressive brandon staley has been we bought we bought in at the very beginning and he's proving us right so far because there was just always something different about this dude and now there's just something different about this team after pulling off another giant win this week against the cleveland browns but that is going to wrap things up for today's show. The great news is we have a huge show for you guys tomorrow because we are going to be having actor Jerry O'Connell on the show. We've had some interactions with him on Twitter. He's doing a lot for the Bolts-On 2, covering the Chargers, doing halftime, pregame, game shows for them over there, and just being, you know, an electric Chargers fan. His post after the last game was great. He's coming on the show tomorrow to talk about his Chargers fandom and what he's taken away from this crazy start to the season, so make sure you guys are back here with us tomorrow. You do not want to miss that. And the best way to make sure you don't miss it is by following us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. Thank you guys again for making us your first listen. And make sure you're following on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or the new Odyssey app. Make sure to keep up with the show by following us on all of our social media. You can find the show's Twitter at Locked On LAC. You can find the new Instagram page we have at Locked On Chargers and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. You can follow me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Droegemeyer on Twitter at SD to get all of our instant reactions to everything that goes on with the Chargers and to find every day show because we post it on there as well. We hope you guys are all here with us tomorrow to celebrate the season that we've had so far with the Chargers with Jerry O'Connell of all people. So make sure you guys don't miss it. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.